I'm gonna rile you up this morning. Great. <laughs> I'm gonna use your your uh, mental health background a little bit this morning. Great. <laughs> Great. I feel like I'm starting to get a little bit more um, opinionated in a pot. Like I'm not treading as carefully anymore and I probably need to reel it back a little bit. Uh, I think we can like let loose on this one. Oh, great. Great. Fantastic. Hey, thanks for coffee this morning. Of course. I am. Um, that was a nice surprise. We love coffee so much. We love coffee so much. I don't so know if you've like picked up on that trend that we love coffee. A lot. But we do. We love coffee. Perfect. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's I am Tracy. I'm Samantha. This is The Suspended Sentence. Look at us remembering to say it this morning. We're doing so good. We're doing so good. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about a kind of a case that I've heard about, and I was like, that's kind of weird, and then I did more research on it, and I'm like, okay, this is really weird. Okay. We're going to be talking about Ellen Greenberg. Okay. So, just to give you a little background on her. So, Ellen was the only child of Sandy and Joshua Greenberg, and they were a very close family. It was just the three of them, very close. And her mom said that Ellen was a very joyful, she loved to cook, she was a daddy's girl that loved to go to sporting events with her dad. Oh, cool. And she also had an infectious smile. Mm. And I showed you a picture of her before. Yeah, she had a big smile. Big smile. Pretty girl. Big smile. Yeah. I see why people said that about her. So she went to Penn State where she would get a degree in communications. Oh, wow. And then she decided, well, maybe I want to be a speech pathologist. Okay. But then she decided, "Mm, I don't know that I want to do that. Actually, I want to be a teacher. So then she went back to school and got a teaching degree. Okay. Because she loved kids. Okay. So she was born June 23rd, 1983 in New York, New York, where she would late, and like I said, she would become a teacher and she taught first grade. Loved kiddos. And she loved her job. She had a boyfriend named Sam Goldberg, um, who she met through a mutual friend. She went on a blind date and they hit it off and had been together for three years, at which time he took her on a trip to California where he would propose. Aw, And she said, of course, yes. Aw, So they set plans to get married in August of 2011, and with the stress of planning a wedding as well as the stress of being a teacher, um, she had been talking to some close friends and family that she was having a lot of anxiety. Wedding planning is stressful. I'm sure sure teaching first grade is probably very stressful. Yeah, regardless of how much you love it, yeah. It's probably stressful. That's a lot going on in your life. She was also having some trouble sleeping and was just really stressed mostly about work more than the wedding. So close friends were not overly worried about her, but they did encourage her to get help. Okay. So Ellen agreed with this and she started seeing a psychiatrist. So after seeing the psychiatrist. Psychiatrist or psychologist? Psychiatrist. Okay, because they're different. Yeah. Psychiatrist prescribe medicine, psychologists, Mm -hmm. yeah. Just for those that don't know. Psychiatrist prescribe medicine, psychologists are, you know, do more therapy sessions. Well, so she was prescribed medication, and she was prescribed clonopin and Ambien, um, and those were the only two medications that she was placed on. So I... I Together? Th- yeah. Okay. So I reached out last night, and well, I sent Tracy a text, and I said, I'm bringing you a case, just think in the back of your mind, clonopin Ambien. <laughs> so let's pick your brain on that before we move any forward. Okay, so two 
different drugs in my head. One that I love, one that I hate. Mm, okay. Ambien is, it's a sedative. It, it is used for sleeping disorders. So for her sleeping. For her sleeping, yeah. The problem that I have with Ambien, um, somebody that I love more than I love anybody else in this world, well, not anybody, but my sister, um, has been taking Ambien for 10 years. Oh, wow. And I cannot call her after 8.30 at night because if she takes Ambien, first of all, she's not going to remember the conversation. She is a zombie, Samantha. Like, it's... If anything happens after she's taken that pill, you might as well not even engage with her because she's not going to remember. She's says things that she wouldn't normally say. She behaves um, not erratically, just not normal. Just not, she just, it, she doesn't act self. in the way that's normal. And my sister and I, we don't just, we don't call each other. We FaceTime each other. So so I can see her and I can, her eyes are barely open. She's, I hate Ambien. And I actually have been asking her for years and years and years to get off of it because of the way that she reacts when she's on it. Mm -hmm. um, the side effects, you asked me to look into side effects yeah. for Ambien because I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert on these medicines at all. Um, but um, it can cause depression, anxiety, aggression, Agitation, confusion, unusual thoughts, hallucinations, memory problems, changes in personality, risk-taking behavior, increased inhibitions, no fear of danger, or thoughts of suicide or hurting yourself. It can also cause chest pain, faster or irregular heartbeat, feeling shortness of breath, trouble breathing, feeling like you might pass out, dizziness, daytime dr drowsiness, um, feeling tired, loss of coordination, Stuffy nose, dry mouth, nausea, constipation, diarrhea, upsticks the stomach, headaches, or muscle pains. Oh, so that's a really fun list. So just about all of those I have seen in my sister. Really? Yeah, I hate Ambien. Does it work? Yeah. Yeah, it does. But my sister, completely different person when she's on Ambien than she is normally. So I feel like... I hate this drug. For Ellen's case... If she only went in for anxiety and having trouble sleeping, that seems like those side effects, that seems like kind of a radical thing to be put on. Oh, it's pretty to, common. Isn't there more? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's other options. But again, we've talked about this, like trying to find the right drug at the right dose for the right people is, I mean, it's very, it's hard. Difficult. It's hard. Yeah. Now, Clonopin, on the other hand, I, I like this drug. Um, I've actually taken it for a short period of time after I got divorced 11 years ago. And this is for anxiety? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, panic disorders. Oh. Yeah, because, and we've talked about this before, I have panic attacks mm -hmm. every once in a while, not very often. Um, but I, I, I like this drug. Okay. It's fast acting. It's, I mean, like you take the pill, it's like Tylenol 15 minutes later, it's working. Oh, it's, wow. I, and it doesn't have a whole lot of, Side effects. Neither one of these drugs are supposed to be taken for a long period of time, though. They're supposed to be, and, like, to help. Yeah. And I, I, and I don't know if this is, like, really true, but this was the effect that, that I have seen anyway, is this one more tricks your brain into thinking that you're drunk, so you just calm down. Oh. 
but it's a um, benzodiazepine. It it enhances the activity in certain neurotransmitters in your brain. Um, it treats certain uh, seizure disorders and panic mm. attacks. So it can cause addiction and overdose. I you can overdose on it, um, but I mean, the side effects to it are pretty non-existent. I mean, really, there's unusual unusual changes in mood or behavior, maybe confusion, paranoia, nightmares, hallucinations, thoughts of suicide. I think that they have to put that on there. Um, drowsiness, feeling tired or depressed, memory problems, or coordination problems. But two very, very different dr- I mean, in my mind, one of them I love, one of them I hate. Hmm. Okay. And it's both of them from personal experience, and it's my experience. It may not be somebody else's. Again, I'm not a doctor. Do you know, is that common for those to be prescribed together? Claws, um, clozapin, no. They, I mean, it's it's actually a pretty difficult drug to get anymore. I don't know why, but um, Ambien, yeah. Hmm. It's prescribed a lot. Okay. A lot. A lot of people take them. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for doing that research. Like millions of people. Wow. So thank you for doing research on that because this plays a big part in this case. Oh, okay. So, like I said, she had been on that and she was current at the time. um, She was living in Philadelphia with Sam, her fiance. And on her file, I would just like to point out, because they got her psychologist or psychiatrist's in, um, file on her sure and she had written in there that ellen was not suicidal she was just dealing with anxiety and having trouble sleeping from stress okay okay so i think that's an important thing to notate here so after going on these medications she had texted her friends and had conversations with her mother saying that the medication was helping and she was feeling significantly better great so it's working for her good but on January 26th, 2011, it was a snowy day and Ellen um, went home from school early because they had an early release due to the snow. On the way home, she stopped and filled up her gas tank, went home and was going to do some wedding planning. During this time, she had been texting friends and had a nice call with her mother. At some point, Sam came home and said he was going to go to the gym, which was in their apartment complex. Okay. Um, And later that day, 27-year-old Ellen would be found dead on her kitchen floor. Whoa. So Sam was the one to find her after he was finally able to get into the apartment. When Sam got back from the gym, the apartment door was locked. So they had a traditional, like, lock, like, handle knob, doorknob lock. Mm -hmm. But this also had one of those swing bar locks that are, like, in hotels. Yeah. You know, the... Yeah. You can picture what Mm -hmm. I'm saying. Uh, so the bar was locked when Sam got in and he wasn't able to open the door because those you have to open from the inside. Mm-hmm. He texted Ellen and then yelled for her to come to the door and let him in. She didn't come. After waiting and waiting, he became more irritated that Ellen wasn't opening the door. Yeah. And he texted her these texts. The first one, hello, with a bunch of O's. Then another one, open the door. Then again, what are you doing? I'm starting to get pissed. Yeah. Then, hello. Then, what the fuck. Yeah. Then, ah. Yeah. So, which I don't think that's, like, abnormal. I No. If I was... I would do that. Oh, my gosh. If I was, like, locked out and, like, my husband was inside, I'd be like, dude, seriously, like, what the hell are you doing? Open the damn door. Okay, so, when we were down in Texas, 
moving you back, your husband did lock you out. And I, <laughs> do you remember? Yeah. He did accidentally lock a door and I think that he left or something. And our text messages to him <laughs> were, those are nice compared to ours to him. <laughs> I was like, what the, are you We're, stupid? Why do you lock me out? <laughs> right, right. So um, the last text he would send to her said, you don't even know. Which some people, I would, I would take this if, if I had locked my husband out and he sent me that text, I'd be like, I would take that as like, oh, you don't even know that I'm outside. Like you're in the bath, you're in the shower, or, you don't even know that I'm out here. Or you could take that as, oh, you don't even know, I'm pissed. Like, I, yeah, I would be pissed. You know what's going through my mind is somebody else is in there and she's having an affair. <laughs> trauma. Okay, so we just learned the things about Tracy. Personal trauma. <laughs> oh Manifesting in somebody else's Good Lord. No, seriously, wouldn't you think though, like you'd be like Why am I what are they hiding? Why are you not coming in? Why are yeah. you not letting me into the apartment? So after texting her all these texts, he finally went and found a security guard to see if maybe they had like a tool or something to just open the door because he's like, okay, what the hell? She's not opening the door. And the security guard um, said that they didn't have a tool that could do that. It has to be open from inside the house. So security guard did say that for somebody who had just been to the gym, Sam did not look like he had been to the gym. So that's just... Well, Throw that out there for, for argument's sake. So Sam went back to the apartment without the guard and later told the police that he was able to break in by using force, like, broke the lock. So he gets in, and he sees Ellen sitting upright, in the upright position, slunched on the kitchen floor. So Sam's first call was not 911. His first call would be his uncle, and then his parents, who were on their way. He would then call 911 at 6.33 p.m., an hour after trying to gain access into the apartment. An hour after. So he'd been trying to get in there for quite a while. The 911 operator told Sam he needed to perform CPR until EMT got there, that they would walk him through how to do that. Where then Sam, quote, said, do I have to? Oh, man. Which I don't know. We can always say, like, you never know how someone's going to react in a situation. But if I walked in and somebody I loved was clearly hurt... My reaction wouldn't be like, ew, do I, like, have to do CPR? Yeah. That's kind of a interesting statement to make. So, it was when he got closer to Ellen, who was, while he was still on the phone with 911, that he noticed that there was a knife still stick, stuck in her chest. Then, at this point, he tells the operator this, and they say, do not perform CPR and do not touch the knife. Leave it in there. Don't touch it. Because, as we evidence. know, evidence, first, second... If she is still alive and you pull the knife out, she could bleed out. Like, you don't remove objects. So, it would be Sam's father that would call Ellen's parents to tell them that something terrible had happened to their daughter. When Sandy heard, she said that her entire world went dark. Obviously, yeah. To make things significantly worse, they lived two hours away from, from Philadelphia and were snowed in by the snowstorm, so they couldn't get there. Oh, no. In total, Ellen had been stabbed 20 times in her chest, stomach, and neck in her head. Ten of these wounds were to her head and neck on the back and and her back. So ten were the back of her body and ten were the front of her body. 
two of the stabs had gone so far into her skull that they hit her brain. There were no defensive wounds and she had been pronounced, she would be pronounced dead at the scene at 6.40 p.m. There is no suicide note at the scene and immediately first, first responders treated this as it was a suicide. What? As a suicide? Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. So before an autopsy was even completed, the medical reporter wrote on the report that this was a suicide. The main reason they believed this was there was no forced entry, the bar had been locked, there was no way they lived on the sixth floor of the apartment, and there was no defensive wounds. Investigators also said because of the medications that she was on at the time of the death that that's what probably caused her to commit suicide. Sam was interviewed by police and he was cleared after checking his key fob that he was at the gym. So they take her medications in as evidence. <laughs> so she had been making fruit salad, which was on the counter at the time that she was killed. So it was very clear that she was like making herself a fruit salad. Um, she had addressed save the date envelopes and Sam's birthday had been coming up and she called to make dinner reservations. So, to me, I'm not saying that if you're su if you are suicidal, you're not making plans. But that's pretty weird that minutes before you kill yourself, you're making dinner reservations for your fiance's birthday, or that you spent all this time filling it. I don't know. To me, that doesn't seem like something no. I would do. I wouldn't have filled up my gas tank if I was going to go home and no. You know what I mean? Right. So an autopsy was completed and um, one of the medical examiners wrote that the manner of death was listed as homicide, which makes sense to me. I'm sorry, this one doesn't add up for me. Um, but only two days later, the police would say they're still leaning towards suicide and they're treating it as a suicide. <laughs> because the only DNA on the knife that was in Ellen's chest was Ellen's. Mm. It's her kitchen knife. That makes sense. If somebody came in and killed her, maybe they wore gloves. Like, is that such a crazy, like, concept? I. What year was this? 2011. Okay. So the police continue to focus on the fact that she had anxiety and was on that medication. Like, that is their big drive home forces. Well, mm -hmm. she's on all these medications. She did this to herself. Three months later, after her autopsy was completed, the medical examiner would go in and change her manner of death from homicide to suicide. Interesting. So, Ellen's family does not believe that she committed suicide and continue to fight for this to be really looked at. But my thing is, I also asked Tracy, because I was like, 20 stab wounds, one of them severing her spinal cord. This seems a little fishy, and I don't know that is stabbing yourself a common form of suicide? <laughs> Okay, well, let's talk like, about... Like, does this make sense? Well, let's talk about suicide for a minute. Um, there is a suicide in the United States about every 11 minutes. Wow. It's very, very common. But there is a successful suicide in the United States about every 11 minutes. For every successful suicide, there are... Four hospitalizations due to an attempt 
There's eight emergency room visits related to an attempt, and there is about 250 people who are currently thinking about suicide. So we live in a very dark world. People right. struggle with suicide. Mm -hmm. The suicide rates, men to women, men are more successful at committing to actually following through with suicide than women are. Mm. Men um, don't don't talk about mental health, so that that's not it's not super surprising. Right. And women are more likely to reach out and talk about our feelings than men are. Men are more successful at it. Um, in in the methods of suicide, firearms is number one. It's the number one way that people commit suicide. Number two. Is suffocation really mm -hmm. yeah like they hang themselves or yeah which is super surprising to me but I've been on calls of hangings really so it is it is common um, the third is poisoning um, with men men are more apt to use firearms hang themselves, jump off bridges, jump in front of moving objects, use sharp objects, um, or, you know, the, I hate giving ideas here of suicide. Like, I'm taking pause here because I'm like, why am I talking about methods of, of killing yourself? But, and then vehicle exhaust gas. With women, it's more common to obviously slit their wrists Mm -hmm. That is very common. Firearms or self-poisoning. Now, Ambien, and we talked about this with specifically my sister. She was a completely, she is a completely different person when she is on her meds. I cannot talk to her. And there's, I mean, there's been multiple times that I'll just hang up the phone. Like, I can't talk to her because it makes that big of a change in her. However, with this case, I would really, really be interested to see where those stab wounds were in the back. Because... Hang on, I'll show you. You, picture. you cannot... I can't imagine, and I'm not saying that you can't. I'm not saying that it isn't... I mean, weirder things have happened, but... But to do that that many 27 times, times to stab yourself... And then in the back, okay, let me, let me see where these, no, there's no way she did that. There's no way. We're going to post the this top. picture. Let me see that. We're going to post this picture on Instagram. There is absolutely no way. Those knives went straight back into, into the back of her neck. And straight into her back. spine. She severed her spinal cord. There's no way. There's no way that she would have the strength to do that. Especially, so they say that when you sever your spinal cord, you first go numb. Yeah. So, and we're talking like high neck spinal cord, which would mean like there's no way that she did this. And I don't understand why we're going, why we're saying because there's no evidence there wasn't somebody else there. It doesn't make sense. There's a lot of things that don't make sense as far as like entry and, and, and exit. 
But here's how, my thing too, though. You can watch a YouTube video. You 100% can relock the door behind you. That's what I was just gonna say. I know how to do it. Use a rubber band. It's not that. It's not. Yeah, and I mean, in 2011, by 2011, everybody knew about DNA and about how to. I mean, it's pretty, pretty damn simple, honestly. I mean, wear a pair of gloves. Right. You know, get one of those. Again, I'm not giving ideas here. I'm just saying this is not stupid. This is not like ridiculously. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. You can go to your local Sherwin Williams and get a white suit, a paint suit, and put on some gloves, and you're gonna leave no DNA. Well, I'm just saying, like, just because there's no evidence doesn't mean there's there's no other person. There's <laughs> no way that she did this. I mean, I'm not saying no way there's a possibility, but... So I'm going to piss you off even more, though, because they did not, because the police treated this as a suicide. There was no investigation, There was right? no investigation. Of course. I mean, they looked like, okay, is there, like, significant blood in this part of the house? Like, they did a walkthrough, but no, like, the spray that you can spray to see if blood has recently been cleaned up anywhere. The lack of blood in this case was abnormal. For head wounds... Oh my uh, hell. Head wounds bleed like a, like her body had blood on it, but the surrounding area was very clean. Oh, that's interesting because that was my go-to about why possibly the fiance didn't want to do CPR because, I mean, that would be traumatic. I'm thinking head wounds, whatever, there's probably a lot of blood. There's probably, you know, I wouldn't, I mean, you would, it would cause shock. It would cause you to immediately be like, Oh my God, I have to go nail down in that. And and the last stab wound was in her chest. Which which would signify that she was attacked from behind first. 100%. Yeah. Which would lead to no defensive wounds. Correct. Because Especially if, you're, if, you're, if your spinal cord is severed before you, you turn to the front, your nerves, you're yeah. not fighting back to begin with. No. I don't know how logically this is a suicide. If you if you didn't have enough evidence to rule it as a homicide, then you can list it as unknown cause of death. This is lazy police work. A hundred a hundred percent. I'm interested to know why the coroner changed his opinion though. Yeah. Well, your hand doesn't even reach back like that. Like I can't I'm making the motion right now. My arm does not reach back or, far enough to stab myself in the lower part of my neck. I'm also saying, okay, if you are attempting suicide, that seems like a very difficult way of doing that. You know what I mean? Like, if she genuinely was committing suicide, I don't believe, like, stabbing yourself 20 times is the way that you're going. This is what I feel like. I feel like... <clears throat> she was open enough about her mental health that if she was having suicidal thoughts, she would have said something. And she had spoken to her mother, who she had been very close to. She's very close with her mom. Yeah. She had spoken to her mom before going to the psychiatrist. I mean, who knows? Weirder things have happened, but I'm just saying, I mean, we didn't follow the evidence here, did we? Hmm? They did. They yeah. did not. No. I don't know how we walked in and we're like, oh yeah, this woman that's been stabbed 20 times, 10 in the back. I'm yeah. going to say that this is suicide because I see a prescription here for Ambien. And if that's the case, then let's go ahead and take Ambien off the shelf. Right. Also with that, though, like I said, two stab wounds to her head went so deep into her head, it, it hit touched her brain, her brain. Which means immediately traumatic brain injury. I don't know that you would have the, from just that's right here, 
I mean, into your head. I don't know that that you would have the strength. You definitely would not have the movement of, you know, like to get enough momentum. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But it doesn't Apparently the medical examiner doesn't even know because first it was homicide, now it's suicide. I don't... (sighs) Well, so a quote from her father said, we are not going to give up until we get justice for our daughter. Good. Um, And he said this to Fox News, and then he also said justice for Ellen is um, is what this is about. Ellen was uh, was and is a person, and she has the rights as any other person. Yeah. And we're going to fight for those rights. So that came out in an article just this January. A change.org position calling out um, the Pennsylvania general attorney to reopen this case surpassed over 150,000 signatures within mm-hmm. a week Fantastic. in January of this year. Social responsibility. I love it. Her family is moving forward with two lawsuits against Philadelphia officials, and an independent investigation is underway. Excellent. So she's like, if you're not going to do their family's like, if you're not going to investigate it, we'll investigate it ourselves. I love it. So the first lawsuit is seeking to have her, case, her cause of death revisited and from suicide to homicide or at least undecided. Mm-hmm. A separate, more recent civil suit also accuses several officials close to the case of a conspiracy to cover up her homicide, according to um, the family's attorney, Joseph Parza. Ooh. Because, and I can't figure out what, remember I said Sam first called his uncle, mm-hmm. followed by his parents. In all of the articles I read, it just said prominent uncle, but I can't figure out what that means. Who mean, that who uncle it is. is. Prominent uncle. Hmm. So that's just an interesting thing to throw in there that that's your first calls. Interesting. There was evidence at the scene that she had been staged and that the body had been moved that was not in any reports. The family's private investigator said dried blood would um, would not have dripped sideways across her face if she had died sitting up. Yeah, no. She would have been laying down if the blood flow is down your face Mm -hmm. weird and despite a blood soaked um a blood soaked rag on the floor um and stab wounds to the back of her skull investigators found quote no evidence of a struggle in the kitchen area or anywhere else in the apartment so like that came back to was there a cleanup job what happened here yeah Tom Brennan, a former state police trooper for 25 years and private investigator, um, is the is the person that the family hired almost over a decade ago. So they hired a former former cop to come in and investigate this. Um, and through depositions and desp- oh my gosh, de- depositions depositions. Thank you. <laughs> in the first lawsuit, the family discovered in 2021 that Greenberg suffered a 6.5 centimeter wound to the back of her head. After her heart stopped beating. Oh, fascinating. Post-death. Okay. Well, there you go. There's your answer. Doesn't sound like a suicide now, does it? Unless she's just like some magical zombie that like... It never sounded like a suicide. However, there's your evidence. Follow the evidence. Several forensic pathologists, including Dr. Cyril Witchett, who is the country's leading expert in his field. Okay. He's... Yeah. The one... Reviewed Dr. Osborne's findings um, over the years, and he said that he thinks these are strongly suspicious of homicide and does not know how they got a suicide determination on this. Yeah. 
So regarding this case, this is still currently being investigated. And according to Dana Moore, the communications director for the Chester DA's office, they have no further comment at this time, but they're looking into it. And she said she could not provide a timeline for further investigations. Interesting. <clears throat> this isn't a suicide. This well, is not a suicide. It's not a suicide. And uh, I hate this because I say this a lot in these cases. In just about every single case. Like I'm always like, you know, attacking law enforcement. However, <laughs> come on. That was lazy. And but I it wasn't just, it wasn't be, lazy. It almost feels intentional. There's something somebody of high power is involved in this because the fact that the medical examiner changed the report three times. Yeah. Suicide, homicide, suicide. Right. The fact that the moment the police walked in, they were like, ah, no, she's on, you know, she's on all these medications. She just killed herself. I'm just saying. I don't believe that if you're going to kill yourself, that is the manner you're going to kill yourself. Well, I mean, that's irrelevant. Follow the evidence. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, follow the, follow the evidence. You can't, because that's what I was just going to say that the cops did, is they walked in, made an initial assumption, and what, what have I said a million times before? The first thing that you hear usually sticks. They made an assumption based on whatever, whatever, whatever was going through that cop's mind at that, at that moment. And here's the thing, there's there's a hierarchy in law enforcement, like whoever's call it is, makes all of the calls, calls all of the shots. It's the person who has to write the report, usually the first person on the scene, and everybody is really back up to him. So it isn't like a bunch of people get together, gather evidence, and then sit down and make a determination. It's really, it's one person. In, I mean, if all forces do it the way that, that I've seen it done. But that's interesting. There's a lot of holes in that. And good for her parents. But it's continue. been 10 years. What the hell? Like, we talk about how long it takes to go through the criminal justice process. Why in the hell does it take this long to investigate a crime? Why does it take her family hiring a private private investigator to do to it? To get any movement. Or 150,000 people to say, hey, this is screwed up. Before their DA's like, we'll look into it. Yeah, no, that's that's ridiculous. Again, these people work for us. The DA works for us. Law enforcement works for us. It's our tax-paying money that pays their wages. Why are they not doing what they are supposed to be doing? Mm -hmm. That, good for her family, but man, that's more than just frustration. You know... What would be interesting is is if somebody could get behind a legislative bill that puts statute of limitations on when crimes need to be thoroughly investigated. This should have been resolved by now. No, I'm serious. 100%. Like until every stone is overturned and every element of of a proper investigation is completely done and put timelines on it, wouldn't that be an interesting federal law to go through? I mean, there's laws for everything else. Yeah, because I don't know how anybody that has more than one brain cell would say that this is a suicide. Yeah, I don't understand that. And as soon as you said 27 stab wounds, I mean, I could see, you know, one or two. But, I mean, even people who drowned themselves, there is, there is an instinct 
to survive. There is an instinct to... If it was stab wounds to, like, her stomach, her chest, her neck, like, the side of her neck, okay, yeah, I could say maybe those are... And did they do... Maybe those are self-inflicted. The back of her body... No. And post-death stab wound to her head. Did they do toxicology reports to see if Ambien was currently in her system? Um, both medications were in her system. That's all that was in her system, though. No, I mean, like... To determine how how soon she did, they pump her stomach to see if she had just taken a pill. Did they? No, they just the only report I saw said that the only medications found in her system or only substances were the Ambien and the Klonopin. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to know when she took that pill because then that would you know that would shoot that out the window. Both of those are not long lasting medications. But also looking at it though, this is six thirty at night that she's found. She isn't. She was making fruit salad. She wasn't trying to go to sleep right away. But you don't know you that. Know? I mean, we don't know that. We don't We don't know. If she had, you know, if she wanted to go to, if she was getting up early, you know, that's also, uh, follow the evidence though. The evidence does not support suicide. Right. So I stand with her parents on this one and good for them for, we'll keep following this because like I said, that report just came out in January that they're pushing for this so hard. That change.org just came out in January. This is... Something else is going on here. Well, and the more time that goes by, the less likely it is to figure it out. Well, and I think that this would be hard to solve at this point because if no evidence was collected other than her medication, where do you go from that? Well, they have to take pictures and stuff, which I don't know. I mean, it it's going to be hard to put the pieces back together at this point. But it's been like, yeah, 12 years. It's been 12 years. And I mean, how... <sighs> that sucks. What's Sam doing now? Do you know? No idea. That'd be interesting to know also. Yeah, because it's her family that's fighting for it. Not I him. just think that there's a lot of weird reactions throughout this entire thing. I do too, but we don't know how people react. People react oh, differently. We should react to set Please? in some way. <laughs> that is one thing that should be predictable. I will agree with that. Or the medical examiner. It's not the medical. The thing that got me is that they put suicide on the very first form before even touching her body. That's not how medical examiners work. You're supposed to follow, you're supposed to go off of what the body tells you. Right. So her sitting on their table and then writing suicide at the top and then changing it to homicide and then changing it back to suicide. That's not, they're supposed to be the ones that 100% they're supposed to be objective. only are going off of what the body yeah. says. Yeah, exactly. Wild. Oh. Wild. And you think everything is cut and dry and everybody is equal. That is not true. Nope. Welcome to America. So we'll follow this one and if we see any updates, we will pop it at the beginning of an episode or yeah. something and keep you guys posted. Alright, don't forget to check out our Instagram. The, the Suspended sus- Sentence Podcast. On Instagram here. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Stay safe. <laughs>